Welcome to All Things Alt Tech, a podcast about the digital ecosystem of today and alternative technologies of tomorrow. If you want to get the latest on tech, whether that be social networks, cryptocurrencies, gizmos or gadgets, scams or scandals, this podcast is for you. If you want to hear about privacy and free speech issues, or you just want some general banter on the creepy big tech industry, well, you've come to the right place. So strap in and enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Today is October 3rd, 2020. And today we're going to talk about how news is now a branded entertainment product. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me ask you a few questions. Is the economy recovering or deteriorating? Are we in a bull or a bear market? Does wearing masks help? Is the virus a life-threatening issue? And do those lockdowns work? Is there a working vaccine or is there one coming? I mean, these are pretty straightforward questions, but you tend to get two decisively different answers when you look to the news. Because there are two distinctly different and polarized answers to most of these questions, and you'll see that there's often two entirely different camps to each question. So what's the denominator for those two different camps? Well, it is a political one, I would say. Because depending on the news outlet that you choose, you tend to get one set of answers. So if you look to the left-leaning media, for example, and networks such as, say, CNN, they will say that the economy is in the toilet, and that's thanks to Trump. They will say that wearing masks would save us, and that Trump killed 200,000 Americans because he didn't mandate them. They might say that the virus is definitely life-threatening and that we should all lock ourselves down immediately, unless, of course, it's going to a BLM protest. Meanwhile, looking to the right, or let's say the likes of Fox News, the economy is strong and we're in a V-shaped recovery. Trump has managed the virus excellently and we shouldn't be counting people with comorbidities as COVID deaths. In fact, the numbers are very low. And the virus is not that serious, and we'll all be okay very shortly. Now, of course, I'm satirizing things a bit here, but, and and you know what? I don't have the right answers to all those questions. But the point is that the line of reasoning is totally influenced by politics. And, uh, you know, speaking of the virus, it was long ago turned into a political football. And in fact, so have most of the other big issues today. And, you know, it's come down to people saying outright, Trump killed 200,000 Americans. And, you know, I don't love Trump, of course, but that's a bit silly here. Because, you know, not to roll back history too much, but even Dr. Fauci initially said that masks were not necessary. Even the WHO said that, you know, it wasn't really a pandemic. And uh, even Nancy Pelosi said that the virus was really nothing to worry about, etc. Now, meanwhile, you tend to hear people make pretty sweeping statements such as, you know, the virus is basically on par with a severe flu. But regardless of whether you look to the left or the right, when you ask people how they can be so sure that, let's say, for example, that the virus is basically nothing to worry about, or that the economy will rebound, or that uh, global warming will kill us all in 12 years, you'll tend to get the response that, well, hey, it's all over the news. How can you not know this? But here's the problem. Nobody really checks the sources and the data behind those news because, in fact, there's no way that you can fact-check a news report in today's climate of bite-sized news tidbits and tweets and so forth. So when we are debating or discussing matters based on what we're fed in the news, we aren't really debating facts at all. We're comparing brands. 
in the same way that you'd compare a BMW versus Mercedes. You know, my brand is better than yours. So why is there such disparity in terms of the narratives here? I mean, isn't the news, well, the news? I mean, if the networks strive to reach some sort of objective truth, shouldn't there be more agreement between the various networks? Shouldn't there be more unity in terms of the narrative? You know, back in 2005, Eric Schmidt, who was then the chairman of Google, said that when you search for something on Google, you shouldn't get 20 different answers. In fact, he called that a bug. And he said, we should be able to give you the right answer just once. We should know what you meant and uh, you should look for information and we should get it exactly right. Now, of course, that is a grossly dystopian and scary idea. Because reality is far more complex and chaotic and fluid than that. And I think that is a typically technologist perspective. You know, this idea that everything can be reduced down to absolutes and then processed inside of an algorithm. And I think that's about as disconnected a view from reality as you could possibly have. Because we don't live in a world where events and conditions can be quantified or interpreted, neither by man nor machine. So this reminds me of all the programmers and data scientists back in April who were also suddenly epidemiologists and uh, how when they interpreted the situation, they used the only tools that they had at their disposal, meaning data science and complex modeling and so forth. And many of these guys, they came out confidently forecasting that millions of Americans are going to die and so forth and we should all lock ourselves down indefinitely. But of course, that was all based on the data that we had at the time. And reality turned out quite differently, thankfully. But if we had listened to the strict data-centric, statistic-led narrative, we would have been mistaken and we would have made the wrong decisions, quite frankly. Anyway, tying this back to the news topic, we definitely shouldn't expect there to be only one narrative in the news. And also, we shouldn't have complete confidence in the news that's reported also. But we should expect there to be more of a coherent narrative rather than this extreme polarized views that we tend to get from the left versus the right. But getting back to Google for one second, they did achieve some of that vision that Schmidt set forth. And also one of Google's leads on uh, AI, a fellow called Ray Kurzweil, he said that Google should eventually predict answers before users even know to ask them. So not only should there only be one answer, but Google should serve users what they're looking for before they even know to look for it. And actually, that sounds pretty scary, but it's already happening. Because, you know, look at Google now, for instance. I mean, Google is telling us when we need to leave for the airport, which route to take, what you might like, what you shouldn't miss, etc., etc., etc. And that's also bled into the search engine itself. I mean, Google is tailoring this for us more and more based on what they know about us. And they know a lot about us. So, for example, Google will notice that you search for vegetarian dishes and it'll serve you more of those. No pun intended. Or Google will understand that you tend to like JavaScript results, but not Java results. And it's going to curate your content accordingly. So, in other words, the more Google knows about you, the more it can keep you in your own little personal matrix. For the most part. Because... The folks over at Google also have their own little bent and their own bias when it comes to, well, say, for example, which news should be read. And uh, it's no secret that the folks over at Google, particularly at the top, are left-leaning. And it's also no secret that they all have made a decision to emphasize what they call authoritative news sources. 
And of course, those are sources such as, say, CNN, ABC, BBC, maybe, you know. And of course, this means they are putting the thumb on the scale in terms of how the algorithm creates your personal matrix for you. So how, how did Google decide that certain sources should be seen as authoritative or which sources that might be? Because, you know, there was no billion dollar research study behind this. There were no efforts to actually determine or validate, you know, whether ABC is more reliable than Fox, for instance. I mean, they picked their own top brands. And, uh, and if you make a decision based on preference, that's a brand choice. That's not a strictly rational fact-based choice. It's picking Coke instead of Pepsi. But I think if Google came out and said, you know what, we've systematically analyzed the truthfulness, the level of bias, the number of corrections, the number of investigative breakthroughs made, etc. You know, that would be one thing, but that's not what happened here. Google picked the channels that they liked based on their preferences. Now, I'm not saying Google or Facebook ought to surface more Fox News material, because I think at the end of the day, all major news networks today, you know, they are little but activist organizations and spin factories at this point. But what I am saying is that we are getting the preferred spin of the Google technocrats. Same thing with Facebook, by the way. In other words, we are getting served somebody else's brand preferences. So what's the solution here? Should we all just listen to more independent journalists? Well, those guys also have their own little agendas. And you have another set of problems altogether with the independent journalists. I might save this for another podcast, but here's a couple. I mean, to get ahead as an independent journalist, you have to keep putting out scoops. And that leads to another problem, namely the hyperbole and the clickbait journalism that you tend to see so much of. There's an old saying in the news industry that goes something like, Dog bites man, it's not news. Man bites dog is news. Or another trite old expression is, if it bleeds, it leads. Anyway, what this all means is that you have to keep finding the next jaw-dropping development in order to get heard. And that's what's leading to this sensationalism that tends to fill the blogosphere today. Because to, to attract people and to keep people listening, you have to keep them from going to the millions of other sites that would easily keep them engaged for the next six seconds. So they need to be entertained. And therefore, news have become entertainment. Now, all that said, though, I think it is easier to assess the track record of an individual of an individual journalist, an independent journalist, than it is to assess the journalistic efforts of an enormous network. And also, you can respond to an individual journalist, and there is a chance that they will actually hear you. You can call out an individual journalist, and you can ask for their sources, and there is a good chance you'll get some kind of a response. But you can't talk back at an enormous behemoth such as, you know, CNN. And you can't really talk to their social media team because they only partake in one-way communication and propagandizing usually. Anyway, do you trust any major news network anymore? How do you pick which independent journalists to trust? By the way, do you have any tips on who to listen to? I'm always on the lookout for new platforms and unique voices and perspectives. And you can email me on podcast at nyman.media. That is podcast at nyman.media. And chances are you can also comment on this episode wherever you might have found it. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. If you want to comment on an episode, suggest a topic, or you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media slash podcast. 
That's nyman.media slash podcast. You can also help out by leaving a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.